3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I am your host, Mike DeNiro. Happy Friday, TGIF. We're all about to go into the weekend, but we're doing it the right way. We're starting it out with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Today, we have such a special day for you guys. We got... A big interview with the one and only Vince Russo. We also are going to be bringing it to you This is Extreme, the next episode of ECW Hardcore TV. But before we get into the show, I want to thank all our fans from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for, so much for downloading the podcast. Thank you so much for always riding with the wrestling DeLorean. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean pod on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod and on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Without you, there is no us, so thank you so much for all the support. We are having such a big month and it's all due to your support. Thank you so much. Wow, what a freaking episode we have for you today. We have a lot of positive feedback for our interview with Nick Gage, but we are about to go in a different direction. We have the most polarizing man in professional wrestling. We have the most controversial man in professional wrestling. You either love him or you hate him. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be joined here by Vince Russo in a little bit, so make sure you stay tuned to this insanely stacked episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. So without further ado, enough talking. Let's get into it right now. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for welcoming me into your Friday routine. We're going to start the weekend off right, like I said. There is no better way to start your weekend than the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. We always have a fun show on Friday, and today is no different. But before we get into all that, let's get into the news and notes of the day. It has been announced that Jake the Snake Roberts has re-signed with AEW for another two years, so that's really cool. Jake the Snake Roberts, he made a huge impact when he came to uh was about to say to impact but to AEW when he interrupted Cody uh two years ago that was a huge moment cool to see Jake the Snake Roberts he's such a talented guy he's such a great mind for the business he's such a great promo no matter what his position is I am so happy to see him still employed in a professional wrestling company he deserves it and AEW definitely is better with Jake the Snake Roberts on board Buddy Murphy, who I don't think he could go by that name anymore once his 90 days are up. Buddy Murphy, he says that the WWE dropped the ball on Alistair Black. And I think that's, uh, you know, common knowledge. We all think that. But, you know, it's coming from his peers now. So, the ball was dropped on Alistair Black the moment he moved up to the main roster, right? Like the whole shit with him in the fucking room, and you're like, knock on my door, pick a fight with me. Like, that was stupid, right? So, I think that, you know, it's pretty obvious that, you know, they they dropped the ball on him. But, Malachi Black is also in the news for saying that the WWE has way too much 50-50 booking, which is also a huge problem with the WWE. The WWE always looks like they're going one direction, and then they start-stop way too much, that's why it's hard to get into the show. That's why it's hard for me to watch Raw. It's hard for me to watch SmackDown because every time you get invested in something, at any moment, they could just drop the storyline or they could move in another direction. And I mean, sometimes it's necessary. Other times it's like, bro, what the hell? I thought last week this guy was doing this or that guy was doing that. And now he's doing this. It, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, I guess both Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black were stating the obvious here. Uh, update on Zaya Lee. She is okay after her match with Raquel Gonzalez from this past NXT. Had a very scary spot after Raquel Gonzalez hit the corkscrew Vader bomb. Uh, Ziya Lee was not answering to the referee. They had to bring in the medical staff. It was reported that she is doing okay and much better now. So glad to see that. Never want to see anybody get hurt. I'm glad that Ziya Lee's doing well. Make sure you tune in to GCW's Homecoming tomorrow because you don't want to miss. Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona if you are not going to be in the Atlantic City area and able to go there live make sure you tune in on Fight TV it is going to be worth the admission, it's going to be worth the price of the pay per view, you don't want to miss it and it's also a two day show so you're not just done on Saturday make sure you watch Homecoming Part 2 on Sunday, check out GCW Homecoming oh, oh oh, I guess we're doing it a little early this week Alright, so I guess we're going to go this is extreme. We're going to talk about the next episode of Hardcore TV for ECW right now. And then the episode with the Vince Russo interview. Alright, that's fine with me. Let's switch it up. Usually this is how we end our Friday episode, but today we're going to start out with this is extreme. We're going to be talking about the ECW Hardcore TV episode from August 19th, 1997. This is the fallout show to ECW's Hardcore Heaven, 97. A lot went down. If you don't remember what was talked about on the pay-per-view, we have a new World Heavyweight Champion. The franchise Shane Douglas has beat Terry Funk and Sam. Fu. We have... Jerry the King Lawler vanquished in the hands of Tommy Dreamer. The whole fucking show, Rob Van Dam busted up the eardrum of ICP member Violent J and also went on to beat Al Snow. And the Dudley boys are still the tag team champions. Taz defeated Chris Candido. It was just a Superstack show. If you haven't already heard my analysis of ECW... Hardcore Heavy 97, then go out of your way to check out that episode. But we're about to talk about all the fallout, because on this episode, we have one insane matchup between Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer, so let's get into that
0: right now.
3: ECW Hardcore TV starts out this week with Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam both making their way to the ring. It is announced that they will be going one-on-one tonight. Rob Van Dam, of course, is the accompanied to the ring by the manager of champions, the man who calls it right down the middle, Bill Alfonso, while Tommy Dreamer is brought to the ring by his main squeeze, Beulah McGillicuddy. And this was a really good matchup, but before it got on the way, we go to the title screen and we see porn star Jenna Jameson welcoming us to the show. That's interesting. And then we go right back to the ring after the ECW hardcore theme song. And we see Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam lock it up. And these two are in a brutal, brutal, intense blood feud with each other. The heart and soul of Tommy Dreamer, he's the heart and soul of ECW. While Rob Van Dam could care less about ECW. He wants to go on to greener pastures, to bigger and better things. Whether that is to Raw, WWF, or to WCW Nitro, he feels like he is above ECW. But guess what? No one is going to come and disrespect ECW when Tommy Dreamer is around. They have one hell of a fucking matchup here. Rob Van Dam picks up the victory, though, when he has help from his friend, the suicidal, homicidal, genocide, death-defying Sabu. Van Dam and Sabu put the beats down to Tommy Dreamer. They jump him, kind of like we've been seeing the last couple of weeks, kind of like we saw on the pay-per-view that Rob Van Dam and Sabu did to the Insane Clown Posse. And this is no different. Tommy Dreamer's getting destroyed here. And surprise, surprise, the triple threat. Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido come out and make the save. They fight off Ra'Van Dam and Sabu. Only for them to then turn around and start stomping out Tommy Dreamer. This leads to the locker room emptying. We have another huge brawl, just like what ended ECW's Hardcore Heaven '97. A huge brawl with everyone from the locker room joining in. The Dudley Boys then come out and they clear house. They're taking out everybody. Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten make the save. Axel has a—he's swinging around a barbed wire baseball bat. He tries to set that shit on fire. Dudleys then clear house again. They take out Axel before he can set the bat on fire. Then the bomb drops. That we hear the sounds of natural born killers. Well. Not if you're listening, not if you're watching this on the WWE Network. But if you're not and you remember this episode, you hear the sounds of Natural Born Killers. It's Ice Cube and Dr. Dre blaring through the speakers and New Jack is out to kick some ass. He's also joined here by the Eliminators. New Jack, Balls Mahoney, Tommy Dreamer, the Eliminators, they all outnumber the Dully Boys and run them off. This was a freaking insane way to start the episode. What a way to start. You got so much jam-packed in that First 15 minutes of ECW Hardcore TV here. Then Taz, he's out. He cuts a promo on Chris Candido. First of all, he calls Sonny a whore. He says, you know, me and you are different. You lose your match to me, and then you're in the back running around, chasing around your little whore, Sonny. But me, I go home, brother. I go home. That's the Brooklyn way. We go in, we work, and we leave. That's the Brooklyn way, brother. You know how Taz talks. You know he does all that brother-brother shit. He gladly invites Chris Candido to try again and try to take the... ECW television title for him he says that it will never happen the outcome will always be the same every time Candido is in the ring with Taz Taz will choke him out the show ends after we see highlights of ECW Hardcore Heaven 97 this takes about like 10 minutes they show a lot of highlights here and then we see Tommy Dreamer cutting a promo backstage saying that he wants Rick Rude for what Rick Rude did to Beulah McGillicuddy before Hardcore Heaven 97 if you remember When there was supposed to be a six-man cage match and Rick Rude said he was the sixth man, he turned on Tommy Dreamer and threw Beulah McGillicuddy into the cage, blooding her up. So, Tommy Dreamer wants revenge on Rick Rude. But Rick Rude is already retired at this point. Will he step back into the ring to face Tommy Dreamer? I guess we shall see. A one-hour show with just one match on it. But I'm not complaining because that was one hell of a match. So, I'm not mad at it. Anyway, this was a really fun episode of ECW Hardcore TV. The freaking wild, wild west. That's what ECW is. The wild, wild west. Anything could happen. Anybody could come out at any time. And there's going to be probably one or two major brawls on the show. So it's always fun. We usually end the show on Fridays with ECW Hardcore TV, but today we're just getting started because when we come back from this commercial break, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be joined by a very special guest on the podcast. We're going to be joined here on The Wrestling DeLorean by none other than Vince Russo. It was a pleasure to have him on, and I can't wait for you to hear how much he reveals here on The Wrestling DeLorean podcast
0: Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman.
1: My chief qualification being...
3: Welcome, everybody, to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm Mike DeNiro. I'm joined here by a very special guest today. We got the former head writer of Monday Night Raw at its most successful time period here today. We have the most polarizing man in professional wrestling, former WCW champion, Vince Russo. Welcome to the show, man.
4: What is going on, Mike? I am uh, I am happy to be here with you, bro.
3: Thank you very much for joining us. So before we get into like everything, what are some like projects you have going on? What have you been up to?
4: Oh my God, bro. I just purchased my own uh, podcasting network and I'm about mm-hmm. to launch it on August 1st. Uh, it's, uh, it's the Realm Network. I've been on the Realm Network with Russo's for seven years, wow. but I literally just bought the network. So we are developing um, about 30 non-wrestling shows that are going to be on there. If anybody wants to check that out, just go to Twitter at Realm, R-E-L-M Network.
3: Dope. Sounds good, man. So right off the bat, you know, you are the most polarizing man in wrestling. A lot of people have opinions about you, but nobody really worked with you on a one-on-one. You know, no one was backstage with you when you were writing for Raw, writing for WCW, TNA. So what are some misconceptions that people have about you by the character that they've seen? I, from- don't,
4: I, I don't really think it's misconceptions, bro, because um, 90, 95% of the people I worked with, um, we got along very well. There was never an issue. Um, But I think the problem has been over the years is that the smallest majority has the loudest voice. Like casual wrestling fans, bro, people that will watch in the Attitude Era, these aren't social media people. These are regular, normal people. Um, The the wrestling marks uh, who have the loudest voice, they just always had issues because I did not write the type of television that they liked. Um, I knew in order to get millions and millions of people to watch, I knew it had to be entertainment-based. They don't want entertainment. They want 20, 25, 30-minute fake wrestling matches, and that's not what I provided. I provided, provided entertainment, and because they didn't want entertainment, uh, they just decided to make it personal they decided to hate on me and they've literally decided to make it a thing for the last gosh bro 25 30 years yeah definitely so speaking of
3: like your time writing for the attitude era what was some of your most fulfilling moments writing and what were some of your most fulfilling like creations and what were some wrestlers that you really enjoyed working with
4: Man, I, I enjoyed working with so many guys. Uh, probably where I got to be as creative as as I possibly could be was probably working with Dustin on the Goldust character. I mean, that opened up the envelope to really, really, really be creative. Um, my favorite angle uh, storyline of all time was Rock joining the corporation because we were planting seeds like, bro, two, three months prior that Nobody picked up on, nobody put together. Uh, And when it came to fruition, I think it was really, really a a well-written and a well-crafted start. Definitely. So when you left the WWE to go to WCW, how
3: hard was that transition? Or was it an easy, you know, I'm going to stop what I'm
4: doing here, go over there, have the same success? Nah, it was very difficult, bro, because at the WWE, I was protected by Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince McMahon had my back because I was very, very successful for him. So Vince didn't let anybody screw with me. If you screw with me at the WWE, you screw with Vince. So not having to worry about the politics and the backstabbing, um, I was really, really, really able to concentrate 100% on my job. All I thought about and all I worried about was the writing on the show as soon as I walked into a WCW locker room, bro, it was completely different. I felt I had a, a a target on my back. There was a lot of politics, a lot of backstabbing. And I knew immediately, bro, it was a much, much, much different environment than it was at WWE. Hmm.
3: Now, looking back in hindsight, a lot of fans, they look at WCW and they say, where it went wrong was there was too much emphasis on past stars. There wasn't any time to make new stars. And the stars that they had, like the really good wrestlers they had, they let leave because there was no room for them on that roster with the NWO. Blah, 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 blah. So when you come into WCW, you take a whole different direction. You start the new blood. You have new wrestlers on TV. You're really pushing new stars. So if that's the case, why was it such a negative, like, why, why were people – thinking of that time period where you were the booker of WCW as such a negative when it's basically what they were asking for the whole time.
4: Well, bro, the fact of the matter is because I'm a facts guy, man, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm not an, I'm not a opinion guy. Uh, the facts of the matter is the first three months when Ed Ferrara and I were there before I, I went home, bro, we took the ratings from a 2.5 to a 3.5 in the first three months. So I I don't care what anybody says and who didn't like it. The fact of the matter is you can go check those ratings. And there was a one point ratings increase in the first three months. So obviously, man, we were on the right track. We were, um, you know, we were, we were tearing down what wasn't working um, prior to us getting there. We were building up our own foundation everything was going up to plan. Um, We were, we were right on target, but you know, bro, like I said, at the end of the day, the political um, environment um, just, just got to be too much. So uh, after a period of three months, I just literally went home and collected a paycheck. So when people look back at your time in WCW, a
3: lot of people point fingers to bash at the beach, Jeff Jerry versus Hulk Hogan. Recently on Jeff Jarrett's podcast, My Way, he was saying how he believes it was Hulk Hogan's idea to lay have Jeff Jarrett lay down. There's so many stories that a lot of folklore is out there, so many false narratives of what happened that night. In your opinion, and your memory, what happened with Jeff it, Jarrett it, versus Hulk Jeff,
4: Jeff is wrong. It was not Hulk's idea. It was 100% my idea. Man, bro, I'm going to try to make a long story short because there's a lot that went into this. But basically, Hulk Hogan agreed on a finish before we got to the building. When I got to the building and we were a couple of hours away from the show, um, I was informed by Eric that he wasn't gonna do the finish. Mm -hmm. So Hulk had this whole other plan where he was gonna become the WCW champion. And I really had to think on my feet and I had to think in a pinch. And what you saw on TV was the exact story that I laid out to uh, Hulk Hogan. The exact story. Um, uh, Jeff did not know it was a work. Um, I just told Jeff that, you know, Hogan refuses to do the job, bro. Just go out there, just lay down and let him pin you one, two, three. I didn't tell Jeff that Hogan and I had discussed that. It was not 1% Uh, hulk hogan's idea that was 100 my my uh my pitch to hulk because all i cared about bro was prior to that show we all agreed that booker was leaving the building as the champion and i was going to make sure that that happened um no matter what i had to do but what you saw on tv was exactly what was laid out to hulk hogan
3: Now, something that you talk about a lot is writing a show to be reality based and you feel like you get the best stories when it's based out of reality of time period where I feel like that was really prominent was in the TNA asylum years. When Hold on,
4: hold on, hold on. You just pulled a Vince Russo there. You said premanent. Prominent. Prominent, bro. Don't steal my gimmick, bro. I'm the only one who could mispronounce names. Go ahead. Prominent. Go ahead. Prominent. Yeah, my bad. So, yeah, it was very prominent in the TNA
3: solemn years when you came in and you basically shook everything up. So, Tell me, what was the decision like to create a whole different reality and a whole different atmosphere for TNA at that time? Bro,
4: that was the evolution of wrestling. That, that's the direction that wrestling should have gone in, bro. More real, more impro, uh, improvising. That's the direction that wrestling should have gone in. But people in the wrestling business, bro, they only know one way and they have to be in control and they get scared when they don't know where something is going. And that's, that's why we stopped doing it because, you know, it was Jeff's company and Jeff was in charge and, you know, with us improvising, bro, you didn't know where it was going. That was the beauty of it. But, uh, you know, that was hard for Jeff to work within those parameters. So we just went back to the wrestling that everybody knows, which is the same exact wrestling you're seeing today. So was there anybody on that roster or even backstage that really flourished and embraced that mentality? Oh, Mike Tanay, man. Mike Tanay was phenomenal, man. If I could give anybody an Academy Award, it would be Mike Tanay. He was He was great, bro. The unscripted, uh, see what I just did there? The uh, the unscripted uh, dialogue between Mike and myself was some of the best things I ever did.
3: Stay tuned because when we come back from this commercial break, we'll have the second part of our interview with Vince Russo. Um, something that a lot of people go back to at that time period was the in-ring, I guess, face-to-face with you and Roddy Piper. Can you take us back to that day? And what do you remember about Roddy Piper coming in and I guess basically taking liberties?
4: Yeah, no, bro. I didn't know Piper was in the building. Piper didn't know I was in the building. Um, I was hearing him, uh, cut this promo, you know, bringing up Owen Hart and uh, I couldn't stand it anymore, bro. So I'm like, you know what, bro, if they're not going to kill his mic, then I'm gonna go out there and stop him, And that, that's exactly what I did. That was, bro, I keep belching because I just ate Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a 100% uh, shoot, bro. That was, he, Roddy didn't know I was there. I didn't know he was there, bro. But um, the stuff he was saying about Owen and, and my, my um, uh, involvement in that was totally, totally uncalled for. And I was not gonna, I was just not gonna take it anymore. Definitely. So who are some wrestlers that you really enjoyed
3: working with and writing for in your time in TNA?
4: Oh, my God, bro. So many of them, man. There was some Mike Sanders. I love, I love working with Mike. I love working with AJ. I love working with Sonny Siaki. Uh, so many people, bro. Elix Skipper, I loved. I love working with d It was a great crew, bro. It, it was a great crew. Those early TNA years were some of, the, uh, some of my favorite years of my career, some of the best years, bro when we were building that company up but um they got so so many people i enjoyed working with uh uh trinity i, I mean uh, uh, desire just so many people um were there anybody that was
3: like a constant clash or bumping heads didn't want to take uh different directions. Uh, not
4: really bro not not back then i mean there was a good mix of veterans and uh, young kids and not, not really, bro. I didn't, I really didn't have a problem with anybody. I forgot to mention, you know, guys like America's most wanted so many people, bro. And I, you know, the truth. Um, I, I didn't have any issues with anybody. All right. So
3: I know I heard you be very vocal lately about modern wrestling and how you feel like they need to be more reality-based. Is there anybody you think that would embrace that in today's
4: like landscape what what do you mean a a talent
3: yeah like a talent who for example say hypothetically you go back into wrestling you're offered a job with wwe and you want to bring more reality to the wwe product is there anybody one you would love to work with in
4: the i mean bro i'd love to i'd love to work with a lot of people um i i don't know who would embrace it or not because i don't know a lot of those guys you know i mean i i've never worked with a lot of those guys but yeah, bro, I'm, I'm a big fan of you know I'm a big fan of Drew. I'm a big fan of Bray. I'm a big fan of um, uh, Roman, obviously um, Elias. I mean, there's a lot of talent there that are unutilized uh, that I I would have loved to work. I don't you know, bro, I don't want to go back, so yeah. I, I'm I'm not gonna say I would love to work with them now. Yeah. Uh, because I know that's not a possibility. Uh, I would have loved to have worked with them, though, bro. There's there's a lot of great talent. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Charlotte. Uh, even Marie, I'm a fan of. There's a lot of really good talent there.
3: What do you think the WWE has to do right now to turn their ratings around? And is there anything do you think that they could do to take it at least – closer back to that level that they were yeah, a couple bro years ago.
4: two two things man you know and again it, we we did it before uh you know stop being so stupid and childish and cartoony and corny and get back to reality bro get back to some realistic storylines some serious storylines Get back to some drama. Get back to good comedy, not stupid comedy. The, the it, it needs more of a realistic, serious approach, bro. And there is such bad comedy on that show week after week after week. And that's why, bro, that's why the Main Street audience has turned it off. It's not entertaining to them. Do you see AEW
3: as a competitor no, to the WWE? No. No. Do you think they could do anything that could, you know, take their. Not at all. Not at um, all. Is there anybody in the modern day wrestling that you think would. Well, wrestling's, star? Dead.
4: wrestling's dead. It's dead. It's dead, bro. It's dead <laughs> and it's going to continue to die because bro, the world has passed by the wrestling business. That's the problem. The world has passed it by. Everything they're doing is so phony and so fake and so non-believable and so stupid. Bro, I'll give you a perfect example. And this is where casual wrestling fans look at this and like, come on, bro. You know, they it, it, it's, they laugh at it. Bro, I'm, I'm, you're, you're very, very young, but I'm sure that you remember the um, uh, 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 Dr. David Schultz and John Stossel incident, yeah. okay? Re, you laughing yeah. You remember how that went down, right? Yeah. And that, that was a shoot. That was real. Well, bro, fast forward to a couple of weeks of AEW. We had that one guy cutting the promo. What was that dude's name that was running AEW down?
1: Oh, a- uh, Dan Lambert a- from American Top Team.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's running down AEW. Okay, bro, here comes Lance Archer. Now keep in mind what happened with Stossel and David Schultz. Keep in mind what happened there. Bro, what does, what does, uh, uh, what does, what does, what's his face do? Uh, uh, who was Archer. it? Who? It's Archer. Archer. And yeah. I'm a fan of Lance. I love that guy. N- nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Uh, what does Lance Archer do? Bro, he he picks up the guy. He sits he him finish. in the corner. He puts him up, bro. That would never. No, ne- now now when you're watching that, now oh okay. So these guys rehearse this all day long. That's not how that would go down. You know, bro. You always have to look at wrestling as this is how you have to look at it. If this were real, what would happen? That's how you got to look at it, bro. It, at that point in time, he's not gonna hit his hit the guy with his finishing move. He's gonna <laughs> do exactly what David I'm gonna should. punch him in the face. Yeah. He's gonna smack him across the mouth and probably knock him out. That's what I'm talking about. A casual wrestling fan in 2021, bro, they look at that and they laugh. That would never happen. I agree with you. And
3: I was very vocal about that when I was covering that show. So you, you have like a very old school mentality when it comes to wrestling, because there was a lot of like realism in wrestling back in the day. But I don't get is, where is the disconnect with you and Jim Cornette, if Jim Cornette preaches the same shit, like he says that AEW is too like choreographed and too overbooked and he would want something more realistic it's the same mentality. So where's the disconnect? Uh,
4: J- J- Jim Cornette wants 1970s wrestling. And 1970s wrestling, bro, would not work in 2021. Bro, you need, you need three things in wrestling. Here's what you need. You need three things. You need characters. You need a storyline. And you need in-ring psychology you need, you need them to believe that the match is real and their are stakes on the match and the match is important none of that is going on today none of it there's no characters there's no storyline and you don't believe these matches for a second so bro if you take away the three main principles of what professional wrestling was built on you've you've got you've got something that's completely different And is no longer professional wrestling. There are some things, bro, the foundation of wrestling should never change. You need that foundation, but you also need to bring it up to speed. And by how you do that, bro, is through reality, realistic reality, like covering the Jimmy Uso arrest. Yeah, making that a part of the angle, making that a part of the storyline. Vince McMahon and the McMahons are torn, whether or not the guy should remain. That's the stuff they need to do that they totally, totally ignore. So, no, bro, going back to 70s wrestling Memphis would kill the business even more. But you need the foundation, but you need to bring it more into 2021. So after your
3: career, you know, after all your work in media, and even just you as a man, what do you wanna be remembered for and who do you wanna be remembered for?
4: I wanna be remembered for being a great husband, a great dad, and a great son. That's how I wanna be remembered, bro. I don't give one shit about how people remember me in wrestling. At the end of the day, bro, that was a job. All it was is a job, bro, and I got up every morning And I went to my job, no matter what my job was, and I did the absolute best I could. Whether whether you liked it or hated it, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, you know, I I today can look in the mirror and say, you know what, bro? With everything I've ever done, I tried my best. I, I I gave it 100%. I gave it everything I had. I tried my best. And, bro, that's all anybody can do. Who, who liked it? Who hated it? Uh, who's a fan of mine? Who thinks I'm a moron? None of that is important to me, bro, because, um, like I said, man, I, I was always the best me. And that's the only thing that's important to me. I'm, and I carry that work ethic to this day, bro. Like I said, uh, you know, in 2014 with Russo's Brand.com, we started with one podcast. Now, bro, I have, you know, well over 20 podcasts, I, I, I employ about 15 different wrestlers, we just bought a, uh, a an entire network, it, it's, it's the same process, bro, it doesn't matter that I was writing a show or producing a show, it's no different to me than what I'm doing today. Sounds good, man. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. How can people reach you? Uh, yeah, bro. There's two places they can really go. Go to RussosBrand.com. And also we got a, we got multiple, multiple shows on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash t w c. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. I appreciate it, bro. No problem, man. Take care.
3: Wow, what a great interview with Vince Russo, man. I want to thank him again for joining us here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Thank you for taking the time out and giving us that little chat. What a very revealing interview that was, right? I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thank you for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean. Once again, follow us on Instagram at WrestlingDeLoreanPod, on TikTok at WrestlingDeLoreanPod, and on Twitter at W underscore Pod. Make sure you tune in to Fight TV this Saturday night for... GCW's homecoming, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona. You don't want to miss it. And, hey, why don't you order night two of homecoming as well? GCW always delivers. You're not going to be disappointed. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Stay strong. Stay positive. Stay safe. Peace out. See you guys on Monday.